Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 67 of An Untold Narrative, where we feature uh, creatives, artists, uh, designers, um, and all around good people who are underground, underrated, um, and doing incredible things within the industry. Um, and today's guest is no different. We have uh, William Hildebrand, um, who is in a beautiful location. I don't know where this is, this office space is, but it's a beautiful background for those watching on YouTube. Uh, Will or William, uh, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Thanks, you David, know? thanks for, for having me. Yeah, Will, Will is, is great, you can call me Will. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks for having me, this is, uh, this is awesome. I've been uh, watching a few of, uh, uh, of the episodes you've been doing and I think it's, it's great that you're highlighting these artists and, and yeah, shining a light on us. So I really appreciate what you're doing, but yeah, I'm super grateful to be here. Of course. Let's start with where are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm currently in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. So not, not Rotterdam, New York. Rotterdam, the Netherlands. I moved here uh, in May 2021. So I've been here a little over a year. And yeah, Rotterdam, for those who don't know, who've never been to the Netherlands, is like 35-minute commute to Amsterdam. So uh, more of like the south of the Netherlands. And yeah, pretty, lo pretty central location in Europe. And where, where are you originally from? So we, we've been chatting for a couple of years now, obviously through social, and we've never actually met before this. Where are you originally from? Where were you raised? Yeah, so I was born in France. Uh, my mom is French and my father's American. So I lived most of my life in France. I left when I was like 24. And um, yeah, I was born in uh, southeast of France near Marseille in a town called Arles which probably no one knew before uh, Jacques Mus recently did the, his fashion show here, like the, the, salt, uh, the salt dunes that we just saw over the past few weeks for those who are following a bit the fashion industry. Um, and yeah, uh, really like a town with a, a huge uh, Roman history. It has like still like an amphitheater that was built in the first century. And it looks kind of like Rome in a sense to give you a, a bit of an idea. That's awesome. And then, you, so you mentioned, you know, you're half French, half American. Have you ever spent any time in the U.S.? Yes. So before uh, moving to Rotterdam, I lived three and a half years in New York. Wow. And that was my first time moving to the U.S. So it was, uh, it was a big gap because uh, I moved there from, so I was living in Paris at the time. And then I have dual citizenship and I was like, I have this passport that's just in a drawer and I want to use it and I want to take the advantage of just like, being able to work there and yeah I just kind of took my backpack and my suitcase and Airbnb for a little bit in in New York until I found a job and I found a job pretty quickly there um, in uh, in trend forecasting but I think we can we can go uh, on that a bit later if you want but yeah I, I lived in in the U.S. for three and a half years before moving here to Rotterdam. Yeah so the, re the reason why I brought that up was uh, because your English is spectacular right so like you, uh, thanks. you barely even hear an accent so I was wondering I was like you must have lived in the U.S. if it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it wasn't as good before moving to I mean I still like my dad's been speaking English to me since I was a kid so it definitely helped but moving to the U.S. Uh, working in an American environment with people who um, yeah just speak English every day that that helped me like perfect it and yeah, just to enhance my vocabulary and everything. But sometimes I'll still have a few words that I'm like, you can tell this guy's not fully American. He's from <laughs> somewhere in Europe. But yeah. And um, 
And what was it like growing up in France? I don't know too many French people, to be honest. Like, is it, is it a creative space? Is it, is it, were you always creative? I guess, like, what was your upbringing like? Yeah, so, um, like I said, I, I grew up in the Southeast, uh, which isn't the biggest scene for, like, creatives. A lot of people go to Paris or to Lyon. Um, but it was, it was still awesome. I mean, I, I, I grew up with um, a lot of, like, my group of friends remained the same from like when I was a, a child until like high school, which was like a pretty awesome experience. Um, and then I moved to Paris when I was 21, I think. Yeah, moved to Paris when I was 21 when I wanted to kind of expand on my career and, and figured that like, I couldn't stay in the Southeast of France and, and envision like a career in anything that I wanted to do, uh, whether it was like, um, graphic design or fashion, or I felt like I had to go in, in one of these big cities. So I started with Paris, but now growing up in France was cool. I had the, the chance of, yeah, having that dual approach of like seeing things from a French lens, but also from an American lens. So I got, I guess I got good grades in English when I was in school, which helped. Uh, but now it always helped to have a, a different vision of, 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 of France as if I was just like 100% French. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and then when you were growing up, did you know what you wanted to do? Did you, how did you, how did you kind of carve out your career path? No, I definitely didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I think I started knowing what I wanted to do when I was like around, yeah, 21, 22. And even then it wasn't really clear. Um, so I, I don't know if you're familiar a bit with the education system in France, probably not, but I went to high school for, you can kind of choose whether you want to do more of a scientific path or a liter literature path or economics. And I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I was good in math. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to follow that scientific path. Um, so I graduated high school with my scientific path. And then after that, I was just like, I still don't know what I want to do. And, and clearly from what I have, it's usually either you become, you go do studies to become a doctor or like a, a, in mathematics or economics. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to study a bit of mathematics in university and see where that brings. Uh, I did that for a year. And then I realized that that's not what I wanted to do at all. Cause I always, I always had more of a creative profile, but I didn't know where to start. Like I, I was interested in architecture. I was interested in like drawing, but I, I, I never felt like there was the good opportunity for me to go somewhere to school to start something. So I just continued whatever I, I had started. And um, yeah, I did one year in uh, mathematics and one year in economics. And then I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going nowhere with this. So I'm just gonna try and, and get into the fashion industry, which is what I was really interested about. And my first job was working in retail um, in the South of France for a, multi-brand uh luxury retail store so it was like a, a family-owned business we had like three stores in the same street high-end luxury like balenciaga saint laurent uh, you name it rick owens all of these big brands and there was a men's store a women's store and a uh, outlet so i started there as a salesperson uh that was kind of my my way in i was like I, if I'm not sure what I want to do, I might as well just be in an environment that I felt comfortable in. Uh, so I worked there for 
two and a half years in total, but my role kind of shifted. So for one year I did sales and like before working there, I did, I didn't even know where to start to like selling things. I was like, if someone doesn't want to buy something, they don't want to buy it. But like my boss was like, this person's going to get in and you're going to have to sell something to them, you know? So, so it was kind of counterintuitive at first because it wasn't in my personality, but I learned a lot from that. Just, uh, yeah, making a, a human connection with someone who's getting in the store and, and trying to create like a desire for a product or, or fulfill uh, some, their request, whatever they're, they're looking for. And so that was in 2014. And it was like at the very, how do you say, not the very beginning of e-commerce because e-commerce has been around for a while, but that store didn't really have an e-commerce platform. And I kind of shared with my boss, I was like, it'd be great if you guys started selling online because yes, we are a retail, a high-end retailer and you can't find our designers in a hundred kilometer radius, but you would expand so much by having an online website. So I was like, I can't make a website for you, but I'm pretty creative and I can find the people who could help. And I, I do photography on the side. And if we set up a studio and stuff like that, I'd be happy to help with that. So that's how my role kind of shifted from sales to studio photographer for that store. Wow. Yeah. So that was kind of the first step into having a more creative job, I guess. Um, so and you built out like their, their e-commerce, basically, it sounds like. So my, my boss had a cousin in Spain who had an agency and he was like, I'll put you in contact with him and see if like they can do something with us. Like, obviously like we'll, 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 we'll they bill it to us and we figure it out. But I, I want basically a quote on how much would it cost me to have a, a website and stuff. So I was kind of the center, the, 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 the main person of contact for that. And I didn't build the website. Those people in Spain did it, but I was in charge of like uh, shooting every product uh, from apparel, footwear, accessory, and then resizing the pictures, making sure the backgrounds were like uh, harmon harmonious between all of the pictures, and then uploading to them, them to the platform, and eventually, like, yeah, putting the products on the platform, uh, creating write-ups for all the products and stuff like that. And that was a fun journey because I saw that team grow from like me being one person to having like we were four around the project, which was yeah. which was a decent size for the, the, the size of the store. Um, and yeah, that was super cool. I, this is where I started becoming, I guess, obsessed with products as well. Cause when you come, when you start taking pictures of product, you're like zooming in at a thousand percent and looking like, oh, I didn't even realize the shoe had like this material on it or so. So yeah, I, I did that for two and a half years total at that store. And then I had this opportunity to, um, meet uh, uh uh how do you say basically i did an internship when i was in like middle school because in france when you're in middle school you can kind of do like a one month internship which is like discovery within the workplace yeah that's and, and, early yeah yeah it's like your last year of middle school before going to high school yep. um and my sister was working at this trend forecasting agency at the time in paris called carlin so i did my interview my my uh internship there when i was like in middle school and then fast forward like four or five years later or six, seven years later when I was working at that fashion store, I got this opportunity. I stayed in contact with the boss of the agency and he was like, oh, I'm looking for someone uh, within trend forecasting and specific, specifically in the activewear sector. And, and I knew that you, you did an internship with us and I just want to catch up and, and see if you'd be interested. 
and I was like, yeah, trend forecasting. I never heard of it. I mean, like, I, I did the inter- I did the internship, but I was like, I, I wouldn't think that like it, it would be like a proper job, and 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 that I could like pursue this. So, well, also, I met like your your average person doesn't know that that's a real job, right? Like that that's, that's true. These companies pay for a service to to give them insights as what's what's coming in the future. It's not. Yeah, a, it's true. Unless actually, you're, unless you're in the industry. You, you, you don't really know that that's a thing. So yeah, I'm not surprised that at a young age, you're like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> I have no <laughs> yeah. idea. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's true. You're right. Thanks for pointing that out, actually. Because now that I've been in the industry for a little while, I'm just like, yeah, trend forecasting. But still, I meet people and they're like, trend forecaster? What is this? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I met with him again. And I had grown up a lot since I had uh, seen him when I was in middle school. And he was like, all right, I'm looking for, for someone to help me develop the business um basically again more of like a sales position and i was just like oh i'm going back from like doing a more creative role to to getting back into sales but at the same time i was like this is a great opportunity i can jump in there and maybe see how it goes maybe it's a it's a first step and it was an opportunity also for me to live in paris my sister was living in paris so it was a a good step also to get out of where where i grew up in a sense i wanted to leave and discover other things um so i i went there i worked there in the end for two and a half years um and again my role kind of went from being a salesperson and developing the business and like finding clients basically Mm. finding clients to sell trend books they were selling like physical trend books that you i'm sure you're familiar with that you probably saw like trade shows and stuff like that but specifically for activewear clients so they were trying to develop the business in france like finding like the decathlons, the intersports, like all these these big brands and also smaller brands that might be interested in, in, in having that design information. And I was working closely because it was a small office. I was working closely with the guys who were designing the trend books and who were like designing the silhouettes and like building the color palettes, looking at materials. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is more like what I want to do. Yeah. And, and I started asking them and they were like, I was like, how did you get into this? Some went to, to design school, some went to, to di- very different paths. Some were just like freelancers who like drawing, stuff like that. And eventually I started participating a bit more into the creative part, meaning like when we had workshops uh, with some clients to discuss about color and trends, whatever, um, I was a bit more involved in those projects. Still, my main role was being a salesperson and a contact person for, for um, selling trend books. But I got to, to, to be with the designers in those meetings and also give them my two cents and, and uh, try to say what was relevant for the client. So that was two and a half years of trend forecasting in Paris. And we were working with some agents basically who sold our products abroad um agents in scandinavia agents in spain all, all across europe in the world in the us in every continent continent and almost every country and i was in contact with them because i did the same job that they did but in france basically uh and one of them um when i told them that i wanted to leave the company and that i was I had this eager to explore the US because I'm American and I had my passport and they were like, yeah, but you don't have anything. You're just going to leave. And I was like, yeah, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. I'm still young. 
And I was like, all right, well, some, one of that, one of our agents that were in Scandinavia, she was like, well, I know this agency in New York called Fashion Snoops. And I know they've been struggling to find a, an editor for their activewear section. And she was like, I know that's not exactly what you do, but give it a shot. The, the, the person of contact is super nice. Tell her that I, I gave her your name and see where it brings you. So basically that's where it started. I, I left for New York with a backpack, a business card with that name of that, that contact. And I planned a meeting with that person. Uh, her name was Lily. And yeah, she turned out to be my boss for three and a half years. And, and wow. she was really the person who, who gave me the confidence to, to become an editor in, in trend forecasting and gave me a shot, basically. Wow, that's, that is a right. You know what? Um, what I really like about you from watching from afar over the years is that you, ha you don't have this traditional way into the industry. I literally, this is real time. Literally yesterday, I took a phone call um, with somebody who called, like, who's graduating college and is like, I'm trying to break into the industry. What do I have to do? And my one piece of advice to any call that I take about that stuff is you have to work really hard and you have to figure out new ways of entering the industry because the traditional methodology doesn't work anymore. Exactly. And so what I love about hearing this story is that like, this took years. Yeah. And, and you had to sacrifice, although sales isn't really what you love to do, it, it, you got to meet people, you got to expand, you got to understand different jobs. And it gave you this beautiful perspective. And then an opportunity came up. Exactly. I was very, very patient. And while I wasn't sure of the 100% outcome of where it, wasn't, where it was going to bring me or where it wasn't going to bring me, I kind of felt like I was on the right path and doing the right things. I couldn't do much more than, than try and get into the industry and slowly land roles that fitted a bit more my persona and, and my skills and, and what I wanted to do. And yeah, it, it paid off. And so I, it started with like a, basically a three week test. She told me, Lily, my boss at the time, she said, all right, like come in and show me what you can do. I'll give you this test project. And, and I, I did it and she was like, okay, like I can see that you have like a creative mind and, and, and the creative thinking design approach. Uh, but let's try it out. Let's do three weeks. Like um, you work for us, you come here at the company uh, you come every day and, and we'll work together and you can work on reports with with the person that's currently working working here and yeah after three weeks they offered me a, a freelance position which again i wasn't super excited about being a freelance because it was my first time be getting a freelance but at the same time like i'm in new york i'm gonna get paid and it's it's a sacrifice for for the future you know it's like a it, it's better than where i where i was yesterday yeah uh, so yeah, I worked freelance for a few weeks, no, a few months from like March, 2018 to November, 2018, I think. Yeah. Something like that. And then I got on the contract and I was, um, director of the activewear section basically. Um, so for those who don't know trend forecasting again, like for listening in, it's basically a, an agency that helps other brands, um, uh, support them in their design strategy, whether it is shape or silhouette or uh, color material or even like macro trend or marketing opportunities basically like yeah advisory um and our agency had a lot of different markets women's men's accessories kids beauty and active and that's the role that i filled in 
there was only one person at the time, but it was kind of a freelancer. So um, I filled in as a full time, still working with that freelancer. The section kind of grew and I got another employee to, to support me. And um, yeah, it's been it's been one of the most amazing work experience that I had because I really felt like I was going to work and it didn't feel like work. That's awesome. That's no, that's, that's a, that's a really cool story. And like, I guess for people who maybe have never done it or aren't familiar with that type of work, like how, how do you become good at something like that? Like what, what do you, what is like the, the go-to attribute of your day-to-day job that you have to think about or what makes you really good at it or, you know, because everybody wants to see the future, right? Like that's, yeah. you know, what's coming and you know, if you had a piece of advice for somebody who even wants to try to get into it, what do they have to look out for? Um, yeah, it's a great question. Um, I would say it's a bit of like a, a mix of a lot of research and a good intuition in a sense. It, it, it's, it's a hybrid of both, I think, because you can say a lot of people think trend forecasting is just like we're there with our like, um, uh, how do you call them? Like, uh, <laughs> fortune fortune teller like (laughs) calls you know and just being like this season is blue but it's a lot of research it's a lot of looking at what's happening across different industries not just fashion industry not just activewear industry looking at architecture the automotive industry uh, and trying to connect the dots of why is there similarities between these markets or why isn't there any similar between uh, similarities between these markets and ultimately trying to figure out the why. I think that's the big, the, the big, um, the, the, the main thing you want to you nail down when you're trend forecasting is understanding why these things are happening culturally um, and then how they're influencing design. So yeah, I would say keeping an eye, for a piece of advice, keeping an eye on a lot of the latest stuff that comes out, but also like feeding your, your, your knowledge with other things that, aren't directly tied to the job so you can you can kind of find the the best in both yeah i I love that it's very insightful again i i've never done it so like i'm always just (laughs) about it too so i i think that's that's great value um so you did the the new york stint for three and a half years why did you if if you said you know you mentioned it, it was work but it didn't feel like work which is what everybody wants to figure out that is the dream yeah. But um, what made you, what made that kind of chapter close and, and what did you do next? Yeah, it's a good question. So, so when I was working in New York, I lived in Brooklyn. Uh, I worked in Midtown Manhattan. So I definitely felt like the New York hustle, right? The, every, what every foreigner, what every <laughs> foreigner like feels when they move to New York, they're like, there's something about this city that's just like unlike any other, right? The energy and and I got pretty addicted to it. It was it was awesome. I I met my girlfriend there and like we're still we moved here together in, in the Netherlands and wow. Um yeah, it, it it was really fun. And when I was working for that agency, I got the opportunity to do advisory work for other brands, basically. So uh, we worked with Timberland, we worked with Foot Locker, we worked with Fila, we worked with uh, Woolrich. These were some of the projects that I was involved in. And some of them were really design centric. Like they wanted the next color palette. They wanted to know what is the next 
footwear silhouette that's trending and why. And when I was doing these projects and working with the designers themselves from all these brands, again, I had that light bulb moment where I was like, oh, now this is what I want to do. <laughs> you know, like I want to be on that side. I want to be on the brand side. And it was tough because not a lot of brands have trend forecasting um, inside like trend in-house. forecasters, yeah. in-house trend forecasters. Thank you. Um, but another segue was color because I really like color. I, um, I think I got into color because when I was, again, coming back to photography, just like the editing, like creating an atmosphere, um, not just product photography, when I was also doing just photography on the side. And, um, I was really interested in that cosmetic aspect of communicating an emotion through color to people uh, who will see a product or who want to buy a product. So I had done a bit of color work at Fashion Snoops, building palettes, uh, working with brands. And I was like, all right, this is my angle. I love color. I love footwear. I'm like looking at every sneaker account possible on Instagram and looking for the next one and aware of everything that's being released on a daily basis. So I'm going to take a shot at this. So I started building a bit of a, a portfolio, but I really realized really quickly that the only thing I had was trend and color. And when you want to roll in color, usually they're looking for a bit of experience in, in coloring product, which I didn't have. Right. So it was a bit tough finding that role and kind of cracking the code of like, how do I get an experience with product and color without working in without having the opportunity to do so without with basically I was just ideating, but I wasn't creating product. Right. Um, so at, I started, I started this side project that you're familiar with because that's how we got in contact. It was called Salomonsters, monsters, which was a way for me to showcase what I can do on product uh, without really having a job in the industry. And I was like looking at all the images that I was saving on a daily basis for my job and trying to, to show the world through Instagram what type of untapped collaborations I'm thinking about or what is a colorway that hasn't been released on a silhouette, on a sneaker yet that I feel is relevant or, or, or what type of connected to like an album that just released and like what does that look like? So I started that, and and, and for, it got, for those that the, for those that aren't aware, you grew this massive profile essentially of I don't know if you use Photoshop or whatever, but you were able to stylize and and hack together these colorways and materials and silhouettes, and really just in my opinion take the Instagram industry of footwear and fashion by storm because I think you were one of the first people to probably start doing that. Now there's a ton of accounts that do that, but um, I think what you built was very curated and thoughtful and, and so unique, right? Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, it was, it was that exactly how you mentioned it, like Photoshop, taking all the side views that you can find on any e-commerce website um, and start mixing them up together, like uh, soul swaps, basically. First, it was soul swaps, just taking the soul from a shoe, changing the upper, seeing like, 
what brands are doing similar silhouettes and kind of blending them together and then tagging all these brands and the designers who worked on them and just try to 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 show a bit of humor i guess there was a humoristic lens to it but also uh um it was also a bit of a, a graphic design project showing yeah. like what how i can put something together um i didn't post right away i started creating a bunch i I created probably like 50, 60 before posting and then found my layout of like doing the poster-esque type of aesthetic and numbering them. And yeah, the numbering was like thinking about, I wanted to number them because I was like, if one day I want to potentially like print them out or I was envisioning like this time where I was like, someone maybe will ask to buy it. And I was like, which one, which number would you like? It would be an easier way to, to find, you know, the, the shoe instead of saying, oh, it's the Hoka mixed with like the Balenciaga triple S or whatever. Right. So, so yeah, I did this project to come back to the original question to, to show what I was able of, of doing in terms of color and materials without having that role. And it was kind of like a, a side project, a portfolio, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it gained a lot of attention. Like I got a bunch of reposts from a lot of, big accounts, high beast, high stability. And then I was like, okay, so I, at the time I had a bit of an imposter syndrome, but then I was like, okay, if, if people from the industry are thinking this is interesting, there's something to it. Yep. And, and I can, I can maybe land a role in design with this. So started applying to jobs, showing now a bit more of like the combination of what I did in trend plus this project. And eventually I got an answer from Mizuno, which if you're not familiar with, uh, is a Japanese running brand and they wanted me to move to Rotterdam, the Netherlands when I was still in New York. So that was, that answers the question of like, how did that chapter of New York end? It was just because I was ready to go anywhere to start working in design, basically as much as I love New York. And my girlfriend had also never lived in Europe and the Netherlands was a place where we could both live from like a visa standpoint. So it kind of, checked all the boxes and yeah Mizuno made me an offer for a footwear color and material designer for uh, the indoor market which is handball and volleyball basically wow yeah and so you like again going back to my comment earlier like everybody's trying to figure out how to get in and like this path is so unique (laughs) it's so hectic (laughs) it's no but it's it's beautifully like crafted it's like it took years yeah like an entire it feels like decade of work yeah almost just, a decade just to get a footwear design color and material job that exactly. is what it takes people like it's not like you just apply and you're going to get a job like you got to work yeah. and you got to really build your skill you got to try these these prototype projects and you got to put in your personal time and, and and like that that's amazing like, I think there's something really incredible about that. Thanks. I, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. And I like, like I said, it was, it was tough because also I didn't have any background of like studies and in like industrial design or even fashion or anything. So it was always, sometimes brands were just like, uh, we, we, we'd like to have a bit more background and, and something like that. But Mizuno really took a shot and I was super grateful. I didn't know much about the indoor industry, but I was um, pretty connected to the activewear world just because of my previous experience, but also I, I played a variety of different sports growing up. So I was always kind of tuned in to 
the, the, the sportswear manufacturers and, and, and all these brands. So I was like, all right, let's do it. And again, maybe I'll just work for indoor for a few years and maybe I'll jump into running because they're a really big brand for running. So I really wanted to, to work in that performance uh, industry. So I moved to the Netherlands. Uh, my girlfriend joined me a month later. So just had everything like settled, like the apartment, like paperwork, etc. Started working there. It was awesome. I learned everything I know about footwear there just with like amazing colleagues. Um, before working there, I had no idea of like how footwear was made, where it was made, or um, I obviously knew a bit of like the materials, the working in trend, looking at like what, what are the trends that are happening, but like what you actually put in a midsole or what you actually like use to do a hot melt print or stuff okay. like that. So that was a really formative experience. And I think they both, we both had a very, uh, when I say we is like my colleagues from, Roger, from Mizuno and myself, had a very symbiotic relationship in the sense that I learned a lot from them because they were designers and I had the chance to work really closely with actual footwear designers, not just color and material designers. Um, and they learned a lot from me from um, what I had to, to teach them about trends and my experience in, in that industry. Wow. So trying, trying to connect the dots between like culture and, and product. Um, so yeah, that was great. My, I received my first samples, worked on my first shoes. And uh, what's funny is like the shoes that I worked on aren't released yet. So the first, the first shoe that's going to come out is in January 2023. So like in a, six months or so. Six something months, yeah. like that. But I'm super excited to see that because I'm super proud of, of the work that my team and, and I have put together. And it's, it'll always be like just my baby you know like yeah. I, I i i worked on it and like mizuno will always have a, a very deep place in my heart for that because they took a shot and that's going to be my first product uh, in in the market yeah i mean that's why that's why all of us creatives in, in the footwear space or the fashion space or whatever space like that's why we do it right it's to see it come to life it's to see how it affects somebody else what they're whether it's performance or lifestyle or like how they wear it, what do they, what do they wear? Exactly. Um, those are exactly. really special moments. Yeah. And something that I didn't have a chance to see working in trend, because when you work in trend, you advise, you advise, you advise, but in the end, you can't really, you can try to influence the people who are working there, but sometimes you know that like, it doesn't go out as expected just because there are people to convince and like upper management and stuff like that. So in the end, you, you're not really sure of what you actually contributed when the product is out. Uh, whereas when you're working in design, you have total ownership of the, of the product. And um, so, so today it sounds like you've, you've crafted this, this life for yourself in this field and doing the things that you love to do. Um, are you, are you, are you working without it actually being work again? Like, are you stoked to do what you're doing? Yeah, 100%. I, if, if like 18 year old me knew that I was going to, that I'm able to now call myself a footwear designer or like a footwear color and material designer. Like I would have signed that contract right away. Like I had no idea. So I'm, yeah, I, I don't feel like I'm going to work at, at all. It's just like, I love what I'm doing and I feel like the footwear industry is like booming and, and we're super fortunate to be in that industry. 
um, but yeah, it took it took a few years, but I got in 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 the industry, and uh, and more moreover, it just blends like so many passions that I love, like activewear and 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 uh, I mean the sports industry, performance footwear, and and like the sneaker industry. So when when I was at Mizuno, like I said, I I worked a bit um, on indoor, but again, like I did in every previous job, basically my role kind of shifted to to working a bit more with running which is a big passion of mine as well um and also just working with our team in japan and in the u.s so we had like kind of a triad like japan u.s um, europe and to try to envision the color direction for mizuno as a global brand not just like footwear what is the key seasonal direction of the season so having a bit of a, a broader scope so that was awesome and, and yeah to answer your question i i don't feel like i'm I'm going to work. That's incredible. And so um, what do you think is next for you, right? Like you're in a good place right now. And this is, uh, I've encountered these moments throughout my career as well. Like you don't want to ever get complacent or too comfortable. You want to keep pushing creativity. You want to keep learning. You mentioned these, these moments of feeling, right? Like you're like, ah, you have that aha moment of like, ooh, I want to try that. What do you what do you think is next? Have you do you think about that or are you just enjoying the present day? So what's next? Yeah, actually happened recently. Okay. <laughs> Which is so my experience at Mizuno was way shorter than I thought. Um, because when I was there, I was just like thinking like nothing could happen. I'm just going like this, like I'm creating footwear, I'm like with an in an awesome environment. And and then I see this job offer for nike <laughs> and i'm like okay like i've been obsessed with nike since i was a kid i played tennis growing up i was obsessed with roger federer rafael nadal like even before that i played a bit of soccer and like the i don't know if you're really into soccer or anything i know the u.s is not really connected to soccer but like ronaldinho like all these big athletes that nike sponsored and it's always been has i've always had a strong connection to that brand like they're really good at doing that, I think. And I saw this job offer, which like ticked all the boxes that I wanted. It was like footwear, color, material designer, lifestyle, sneaker industry, basically. And it was hard because I was like, I'm not in a position where I want to apply for a job because I'm still learning a lot of things, but I don't want to regret it. So I applied for that job and yeah, just like yada, yada, yada. I got it. I got the job and I just started at Nike June 1st this year. Wow. Yeah. So brand so, new. Yeah, brand new. I'm working in their European headquarters. And yeah, footwork, color, material designer, uh, one for uh, men's. That's incredible. Congratulations. Thanks, Sam. It's and, definitely the dream job. Okay. You literally said it before I could ask. I was like, is this your dream? This, is, this must be the dream job this is the dream job for sure like this is what i've been working towards that's why i felt like having this call with you and having this this conversation felt like a good time because when i got hired i was just looking back at all these events that like brought me here right and i was reminiscing and i was like damn like i didn't go to design school and i did all these like small steps that allowed me to to build a bit of skill and, and bring me here but yeah, I was I was super proud when I finally got the offer. I was like, "Damn, I'm gonna be working for Nike and in the in the industry that I want." It's like you can't 
I don't want to go anywhere from here, you know? That's amazing. Well, definitely enjoy the present day from, from here on out. Um, so yeah. do you, you, you don't, you don't have any imposter syndrome today, I assume, because you finally like built up a portfolio and a resume that, that can stand the test of time. Yeah, definitely less, definitely less. And probably not anymore because they yeah, had for the, the reasons that you just mentioned, but for a time it was, it was a bit tough. Cause again, like the things that I mentioned, just like mainly not having design um, background in school. Right. I think that was my main thing, but then I got over it. And then I, I realized that not everyone has to go through, through school to get where they want to, where they want to get in, in a professional career. And like, instead of putting that time in school, I put that time at work. So I've been working since I was 21. And yeah, I also put the time that allowed me to, to get where I am now. That is awesome. I, I can't express how much I enjoyed this conversation because of the journey and what it has taken to finally, like even people get hung up in the industry about like designer one or designer two or seeing and all that other crap. And it's like, it took you a decade just to get to like your dream job at one. And you're stoked about that. Yeah, exactly. Like, like people get hung up on the titles and all this other crap that really doesn't matter. It's like, if you just find something that you truly, truly love doing, like that's all that matters. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. about anything else. And, and your story is really, you know, I, I, I truly hope people gain um, perspective perspective out of this and the amount of patience you use that word earlier um that it that it's taken um so we've been chatting for a while we could definitely go for a, a longer period of time i have two other questions for you um one where could people follow you right so i know you probably uh can't share too much of your work yet with the new stuff obviously at nike is very uh different than some other brands um, but where could people follow your journey? Check out even even checking out your uh, previous pages of of your explorations. Yeah. Um, so two main places, I guess you can access everything from my website. It's williamhildebrand.com. Um, you'll find like my Instagram handle on there. My Instagram is basically my my Salo Monsters project. It's just all the footwear explorations. I've been I've been doing way less uh, because. <laughs> I felt like, you know, like I was built, I was building that for a reason and, and I got what I wanted from it. So it felt like, uh, relevant to just take a break from it. Uh, cause I don't, yeah, just like I mentioned, it, it, it was built for a purpose and maybe you'll, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get back to it. But yeah, basically my website, you can find a few things, a few things are private in there. Um, but eventually in, Six months, some of my designs from Mizuno will come out and I'll, I'll be sharing that. And, um, and yeah, stay tuned for also what's, uh, what's coming out from, from Nike in the next uh, year. So that's amazing. Um, and then the last question I have for you, um, when you are no longer here and you're gone, what is the type of narrative or story or imprint that you want to leave with somebody? What do you want somebody to remember you by? Mm, wow, deep question. Um, I guess since my since my job is so connected to the person that I am and and to to what I like doing, and um, I guess creating something um, that is very representative of um, an era or a moment in time. Um, I think that would be the ultimate goal, but I guess it's, it's the goal for a lot of, 
of designers, right? Like creating something that has a really long lasting um, impact on culture. Uh, I think that that would be something that I would, I would love to be remembered by. Yeah. Whether it be a product or, or an activation or, or an art project or something that has nothing to do with, with uh, footwear. Although I think if it, if it had to be, it would be something connected to the footwear world. But um, yeah, I would say something, uh, something around those lines. I 100% agree that 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 is a that's definitely that's definitely the goal for us creatives. Um, Will, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for jumping on and talking. And I always love having uh, global representation on the podcast. So thank you for that. Um, and uh, yeah, this has been episode 67 of an untold narrative. And, and uh, I'm stoked to have you, man. This has been beautiful. Yeah, thanks a lot for for giving me the the platform to to speak and uh, yeah, congrats just on your on your project and, and your, your podcast. I think is is awesome. Again, keep uh, keep at it.